Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It was so amazing because yeah. I actually, in my like, in my obnoxious, at that point, I'm forty year old brain. I'm like, I know right. better than you. She was like, oh, No, no, no. I'm telling you, you don't know better. It was yeah, so good. Ben, Ben, it was about six years ago where I was trying to get Martha to listen to Wilco, and she's like, Can we just listen to something else? I'm like, No, this is a great song. And she's like, I'm just, I'm a little tired of depressed old man music, <laughs> which really wow, could have been the name of this her. podcast. 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. Fellas, how are you this evening? It is, uh, is it 1995? 1995. Wow. I mean, you guys are going to have to carry me tonight because I am out of it. Out of it. Ben Barton, do you have uh, extra energy? Guess what happened to me in 1995? Oh, what? What? I married my beloved wife. In oh, Houston. see, that oh, is the kind yeah. of energy we need to get us through. Uh, Jeff Simons, how's Berkeley? Berkeley's fine. It's uh, no longer under threat of... Uh, fire and wind we had a big emergency wind weekend causing power outages and cancellations not a big big mayoral race ending on tuesday here in berkeley okay okay two candidates are not disappointing in their berkeley crazy so we're enjoying that quite a bit (laughs) i I just imagine a candidate for mayor in berkeley is different than a candidate for mayor in north carolina supporting animal personhood Okay, that, that would be rights, an example. Like equal rights for pets as for human beings. What about squirrels? What about wild squirrels? It seems like they need personhood more. Oh, I'm a little no. disappointed. Fuck the squirrels. <laughs> what about yeah. the rats? The rats are the ones <laughs> who right. really need it. I tell you what, things are getting out of control here in 1995. This is 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Men. And I am Tim Plain in Asheville. And we are part of the Music City Drive-In Podcast Network. Uh, by the way, the Drive-In Podcast Network has called me for a little live political reporting on election night. Really? Yes. Are you going to be uh, part of the CNN panel? Or are you going to be like uh, one of the 25 people up there? It, it, Ricky has invited me. I don't think we're on CNN. Uh, I am a little nervous about being live on election night and what that could hold. Uh, Dude, start it, drinking at 4 p.m. You'll be <laughs> fine by election night. Yeah, exactly. Fine. Yeah. Just do like Rush Limbaugh did when he was on um, that NFL, the ESPN right. NFL. The Monday like Night two Football. Weeks. Just say something <laughs> really stupid and be unforgettable. That publicity was, is publicity. It was Donovan McNabb, right? Didn't he take on Donovan McNabb? And, and if he would just be uh, an okay quarterback if he were white. I think that's what did he said. He, was, he said McNabb was too athletic and not smart enough to be a successful quarterback. Oh, and then Steve Young Uh-oh. ate his Uh-oh. lunch, which was great. Since Steve uh, Young is also a JD and a pretty smart dude. That was yeah, fun. Yeah, he is. 
All right. Well, you guys, 1995. So you got married, Ben Barton. Any yeah. milestones in your life, Jeff Simons, in 95? 95? Uh, not, the, not the come to mind. I went to Ben's wedding. had a very good time. Okay. I, gave, a, I, gave a hell of a toast and then watched a couple of hilarious drunken toasts by comparison. That was a, <laughs> that was a good one. I actually moved out to San Francisco in 95 and I was teaching at the French American international school there for like a month. It was my, uh, it was, it was one of the greatest substitute teaching gigs I've ever had. By the way, I'm glad you said substitute. I was like, poor guy got canned again. Not another You're one. Like, I was working at a restaurant. I was working at the Boston <laughs> Globe. I was going to Northeastern and now I'm in San Francisco. Uh, good and we times. didn't know each other yet. I can't believe no. we lived in San Francisco and yeah. uh, we didn't meet. I also 30. can't believe you taught at French American. We used to play them in basketball and we beat them uh, you would 86 win. to 7 you at would one, win. one game. It was like unbelievable how bad they were. This, That's reflective of the French part. This, yeah. <laughs> this, <laughs> was, <laughs> this was the year. I dribble this ball. I, I may have uh, <laughs> fibbed. And uh, when the uh, principal asked if I had ever read um, John Steinbeck's Grapes of Wrath, I said, oh, of, of course, everyone has. And then I went in for my substitute teaching gig. And on the first day, still hadn't finished the book. On the first day, a girl says, wait, have you, have you read this book? And I said, of course I have. And she looks at me and then she's like, what's in the turtle shell when it's crossing the road? Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Are you oh, serious? Man. Yeah, she got me. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. You would think somebody that brave would go somewhere other than the French American. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, Golly. Sacre get. Body blow. All right. We've got to get to the music <laughs> before we get a, a little too punchy here at the start. Although I don't know if this is actually going to help. Uh, this is 1995, and this is the Grammy winner, Jeff Simons. Go. It's the Grammy winner. Kiss from a Rose by Seal. Oh, I know this one. There used to be a gray and tower alone on the sea. dark side of me love remains a drug that's high enough here but did you know that when it snows my eyes become large and the light that you shine can't be seen baby I can bring you to a kiss from a rose on the green. All right, I know nothing about Seal. What do you guys got? Uh, two things. He's got this, the freckles yeah. on his face, and he married that. Heidi Not Klum. Okay. That can't be the first thing. <laughs> can't okay, he married thing. Heidi Klum, and right. he has the freckles on his face. I don't think they're freckles. That's the second thing? <laughs> I don't think they're freckles, no. Well, whatever uh, they are. His, how about his soulful crooning? There's nothing for uh, that. You don't have any song. soulful crooning for us? I hate that song. You know, it's funny. That song's so complicated. I can't believe that when the Grammy or was ever a hit. That is like impossible to sing along to. There's no 
rhyme or reason to the rhythm of the words. I've never paid attention to the words before. Right, so me neither. Also, this is our 26th year of doing this podcast. <laughs> okay. It's got to be a top 10 Grammy winner. It might be a top five Grammy winner. Really? Oh, I can't you like believe you're going to ride or die for this crappy Oh, no, song. I'm not riding or dying. I'm just saying we had two Bette Midler songs in a row. <laughs> I prefer From a Distance to this song. Oh, no way. Come on. We had two Roberta Flack songs. I actually like this the Roberta song, Flack songs. This is a song Maybe for 10, Adam though. Sandler and Drew Barrymore to kiss to in a movie. This song blows. You say that like that's bad, man. Those Sandler movies make back. I love yeah. them. The Sandman. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> Sandman. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Ben... What was your uh, wedding song? It was not Kiss oh, from a Rose. Oh, our first song, 1969. Oh, yeah. it was. Oh, right out yeah. of the gate. I love it. You got it. the silver. You got the silver. Excellent. Okay. Well, let's get into some trivia from 1995. Golly. Uh, a heat wave hits the Midwest. It's over 104 degrees for five straight days in Chicago. I remember that really well. 3,000 people across the Midwest will die from this heat wave. That's just brutal. Well, too, global warming, man. People in Chicago used to not have air conditioning. Like, that was just not a thing that you needed. You didn't need it. I I remember really vividly, uh, like, my parents had an air conditioning unit in their their window, but I didn't. And, like, Uh all my friends in Brooklyn didn't have air conditioning. And it was like, we went through the summer there. Like, it was just hot. Like, not 104 hot. Right, right. This is a whole new new level. Uh, it was also awful, uh, and I was teaching at the French American International School when this happened, the Oklahoma City bombing. Ooh. 168 were killed, 800 injured. My daughter asked me uh, tonight at dinner when, we were t- when I was talking about the podcast, she's like, well, wait, why did, why did he bomb that building? What, what would you have said to your 12-year-old daughter? Hated the federal government. And drove to that building because it was not very well protected and he thought he could destroy part of the federal government. Is that right? Yeah, that would be my answer. Just uh, a right wing loony. Yeah. Right wing loony. Uh, I think he I think he was at either Fort Benning or Fort Bragg uh, in the eighties. And then he actually drove to Waco during the siege of the um, Branch Davidian compound. Um, Did and- he live in Michigan before he went to Oklahoma City? Am I right about that? Or is that Terry Nichols? One of them did. I can't remember which one. Um, arrested, what, within 72 hours, convicted, and uh, died of lethal injection in 2001. Timothy McVeigh. What a bizarre, dark chapter. And that's really before the dark corners of the internet are born. Yeah, that's what's, and can you imagine? Like, how do you get turned like that? That's insane. What year yeah. is American History X? Uh, 98 or 9, is that right? End of the, right at the end of the 90s, I think. Gosh. All right. Keep your eye on the, uh, the right-wing loonies. No, thank That's you. That's what I say. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's go to something that will engender more conversation. Michael Jordan returns in 1995 from his retirement did you guys see anything shady with that retirement oh i'm a huge jordan truther he was definitely forced into baseball because of the gambling stuff and his dad was killed by the mob like all of that stuff is true i i have a hard time not believing that's all true as well 
just considering who Jordan was and how competitive he was and how un, how disinterested he was and not winning every single thing he ever did for him to do that. Just, or he had a complete nervous breakdown. Well, Ben, that what was, the was way his, it manifested? You know, what, what was he gambling on? Was he gambling he on basketball? On he was a gambling addict. Dude, yeah. even in the recent documentary that he runs, there's uh-huh. a quote from him where he's like, people say I'm a gambling addict, but I never lost money I couldn't afford. And I'm like, that's what gambling addicts say, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not a good sign. You're supposed to be like, <laughs> I'm not addicted to gambling. Not I'm addicted to gambling, but I didn't bankrupt myself. Like, that's <laughs> not the actual measure of whether you're an yeah. addict or not. Right. Totally he, I mean, he dude, he he gambled on golf. He gambled on coin flipping. He gambled on cards. Like, he just gambled on everything. Everything. I- and I think there's something to be said that he would rack up an enormous debt and think he was above it. Like, what are they going to do to me? And they were like, this is what we're right. doing to you. Yeah. Right. Well, let me ask you a question. But, I, but the, problem oh, with the, the problem with the Jordan Truther is it would have come out by now. Like, it's been so long since that event took place that somebody would talk or somebody would, would discover something. I just, I'm it really having like, a hard my time. My actual theory of it is it's just Stern and Jordan. That's it. They're the only two people who are parties Stern, to this conversation. Stern's dead. Right. Wow. Okay. I don't think Stern talked to anybody about it. I think he called Jordan into his office and was like, dude, we had the following evidence. And I, I'm sure it was all really damning. Of course, yeah. I'm, now I'm like Jordan Truth. Like, who knows? <laughs> but that's my actual guess is that he calls the man and he's like, dude, listen, you're freaking gambling on your own games. You're involved with really bad people. We need you to take a break. And that's why he took up baseball. By the way, does anybody else remember the baseball stuff? Yeah. Like the day yeah, yeah. of coverage of it? Yeah. First of all, it's hilarious to me. At the time, I'm in Ann Arbor. Now I live in Knoxville. And the, the double A Smokies are around the yeah. corner. The Birmingham right. Barons play in the same stupid Southern League that the <laughs> do. I've seen the Birmingham Barons play. Like, I can't imagine what it was like to be in Birmingham at that time. Like, how funny would it As have been? As Michael Jordan's trying to trying to right. play right field yeah oh for sure and also i mean more importantly trying to hit like i mean the hitting yeah. part was the part that was just laugh out loud funny and i mean uh i will go ahead and admit like jordan was the greatest basketball player i ever saw and he owned the knicks and he bent me over his <laughs> knee and spanked my butt <laughs> but that being said watching that guy try to hit a curveball was the greatest i can't say how happy it made me it was almost as if it was me up there throwing the curveball it was so good he At needed he needed an 80 mile per hour fastball right down the middle. The curveball, he yep. was just like, he was like so far. It looked like me. He was like <laughs> like six hours in front of it. I was like, you're never going to make it, bro. It is amazing though. he walked onto a double A team and just started playing. I mean, that, it is. It's amazing. He's, yeah. a, he's a really unbelievable athlete. But that being said, not good enough to play in the majors. No, just definitely not. Good not. Enough to play in the majors. Dude, hey, if you can't hit the curveballs in double A. You're done. You can imagine what it looks oh like. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he, no he, uh, he leads the Bulls to championships in 91, 92, and 93, and then again in 96, 97, and 98. If he doesn't leave basketball, do the Bulls win 94 and 95? No way. Yep. No, they win them. They win them no, both. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I, this is the Bill Simmons point, and I strongly agree with this. Dude, winning them all in a row really, really takes it out of you. 1993, he was done. His tank was empty, and you can see it again in 98. His tank was, I mean, at the, whatever, the end of the, the, right, the right. sixth championship. Yeah, 98. He's just completely done and drained. He doesn't have anything left in the tank. 
He would have broken down. He would have gotten injured. I'm not saying Maybe. he would have gone to the finals and lost because that's hard to believe given what we saw from him. But something bad would have happened because you just can't play 90 games a year and just keep racking it up. But see, I think that's when they would have invented the, the fake injury. I think they would have realized – because remember, like, you've got expansion in there. He would have played 52 games in the regular season. They would have figured out a way to hide him, uh-huh. rest him. And the only reason that didn't get – invented until more recently is because jordan took that break that's my opinion all right well let's move on from michael jordan uh and let's go to the invitation to cynicism the dayton accords do you remember this in 1995 i do remember it the dayton accords clinton meets all the leaders uh in dayton ohio and they hammer out a peace agreement what is the second most famous thing Dayton, Ohio is known for? Oh, I've got several. I, I, got I love Dayton. India's family's from part of India's family. First, no. Wright Pat Air Force Base is there. Excellent. The Wright brothers. Excellent. The Wright brothers. And, and let alone the Dayton Flyers. Ben, do you know uh, I went to, mention, to the University of Dayton? I did know that. I was yeah. going to yeah. say, not to mention the bar fight that yeah. temporarily ends Tim uh-huh. Plain's career as a rack on tour and as, leads him to North as a flyer. As a matter yeah. of fact, that is correct. I, I tell you, I had that guy right where I wanted him. Um, when I was on the ground and he was kicking me in the face, I'll tell you what, I was like, <laughs> Oh yeah. One more buddy. And then it's going like, to, I'm going to hurt your toe with my head anytime now. <laughs> it was the old Albert Brooks line. All right. You can beat me up but I'm going to say something that'll hurt you more than what you could do to me. None of you will ever make more than $30,000 a year. 30,000. <laughs> Good so stuff. Let's go to the Grammy winner, Jeff Simons. Do I have to? No, we already you did, did the, the Grammy. Grammy now we're doing number oh, one. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh gosh. It is time for the number one hit. The number one hit. It's the number one hit. One sweet day by Mariah Carey with boys to men. Title. 
I got nothing. So I got that. I've <laughs> never heard that song in my life. I have no idea what that is. So I think I'm at the Billboard year end Hop 100 singles. I've got Gangsta's Paradise and Waterfalls, one and two, both of which are greatly better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's Unbended Knee by Boyz II Men? Too. No, no, no. What's the name of the song, Jeff? One Sweet Day. One Sweet Day. What do you got? I'm not seeing on this list, but I'm going to trust you. I'm not, I can't start questioning the authorities. That would be bad. I'm mean, 27 years in. I know for <laughs> sure that would be bad. I think it. I think it, it yeah. was. I might mean, have to go back and look at all the previous 26. Right, golly, if I if I mess maybe up now. America has good taste. I mean, <laughs> Gangsta's Paradise is not good, but it's way better than that. And Waterfalls is legit good. That's a good song. Both those songs are are totally enjoyable. Gangsta's Paradise is silly, but it's great. And um. And I love Waterfalls. What's the other song from that record? Is it Creep? Uh, Creep, yeah, totally. Yeah. Killer song. I like Creep, yeah. I love that song. I just Good. love Waterfalls for the little rap part. That kills yeah. me every time. It makes me laugh. <laughs> it's really bad. All right. And that's uh, a Georgia's, Georgia's uh, loves Waterfalls. She's into that one. Don't go chasing. By the, the way, my favorite line so far of this podcast was you're like, I was talking at dinner tonight about the podcast, which is a phrase I'll never get to say in my house. Still no <laughs> listens in your house? Oh my god, are you kidding? We're up to six thousand no listens. listens, not one from Isn't it good to know that they're not inflated by uh <laughs> family home listens? Yeah. Wow. Um gentlemen, the Unabomber <laughs> publishes his manifesto <laughs> in nineteen ninety-five. Um Ben, you were just talking about the difficulty difficulties you found in publishing. Uh, but he got the New York Times and the Washington Post to line up and publish. Is that a win for the Unabomber? I'm sad to report, yes, that's what he wanted, and that's what he got. Yeah, man. I and forgot course, that they published that thing. That's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. And that's what gave it away, right? Like a bunch of colleagues recognized Not some brother. of the things he was saying. Um O.J. Simpson is found innocent in 1995. Jeff Simons, st- are you trying on gloves right now? I was doing the when he did yeah. the double fist pump when he was found not, not guilty. Remember, yeah. kids, and Ben Barton, you teach law, so you've taught this before, right? Never ask a question you don't know the answer to. Isn't that correct? Absolutely, yeah. Fundamental oh, yeah. rule in the courtroom? That was, yeah, I remember, I remember that day. That was a, that was a really uncomfortable day at work because they found OJ innocent at about 11 o'clock in the morning. Okay. And I was in the faculty lounge and a whole bunch of white colleagues got way too mad, like right away. Like okay. they just, they just showed their whole hand of cards. And it was yeah, really we had a full-on debate at University of Michigan Law School, and that was the split, too. We definitely had yeah. some white students who were like, what a travesty of justice. And then um, African-American <laughs> students and other students who were like, have you, like, get a line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you noticed? <laughs> wow. That's brutal. Um, Jeff Simon, is the Grateful Dead break up in 1995? Did you well, notice break that? break up, I suppose, yeah. Jerry Garcia passes away. And, no, uh, shut up. Is that what? Yeah. Is that what happened? Jeez. Yeah. He dies. Uh, he goes into a coma, and they rush him to a oh. facility uh, for 
drug relief so and he, his stupid, heart gives out there. Stupid Google says. I remember that. Bands I, I remember that, that day in Marin County, particularly as well. Like, oh, I found people out, were, must have been really oh, sad. Oh, people were inconsolable, including most of the people I was living with in a group house. It was, uh, it was a tough day for them. Oh, gosh. All right. Um, and finally, my last little fun factoid. Are you ready? In France, a network of caves is discovered. And in those caves are really uh, well-preserved engravings and paintings from prehistoric peoples. How far back do they estimate the paintings go? What do you got? Well, oh, hold on. Let's is, do this. Price is right. Yeah, let's go. Price is right. Uh, Jeff has got to go first. All right, Jeff. Why? I always go first. That's it's false. I always go first, and you always win. How? This old? is some kind of like new fake news thing you're doing. Like I am declaring history. I'm gonna say that they go back uh, 4,400 years. 4,400. So it's 2020 right now. You're going back to 2,400 BC or something like that. That is correct. All right. Okay, um, and the that, way Price is Right works is that I can't go, if I go over, <laughs> I lose. Yes. So I'm going to go 2,401 years. <laughs> but I, I feel actually it's more like 5,000 years. I feel, I feel he's done this before, Jeff. No, no, no to dude, you. I think the actual one, I just listened to the one where we did the camcorder, and I went second and you won. So it's not true <laughs> that I always do second. I mean, Wait. I went first and you won. The camcorder and the Fiero. What year was this that you were listening to? All I can say is my butt still hurts from the camcorder Fiero <laughs> fiasco that occurred to me. I won't go first again. <laughs> the paintings and engravings are estimated to be 20,000 years oh, old. Oh, come Lord, on, are you serious? Yeah. I mean, they're paintings, like not only paintings of bears and bison, but paintings of mammoths. Uh, and Dinosaurs, like, right? 20,000 right, years? I think so. T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's right. how we know. It's like an Allosaurus too. with a little caveman like, ah. <laughs> that's amazing. That, I wish I knew more about that. That sounds that Ah, Go to really the Google. Cool. Hey, let's go to our three songs. Our three songs. Jeff, I think you go first. Do I go first? Yep. Okay. Um, so ni 1995, uh, my folks, my parents spent the year in Europe. My dad ha was teaching in the south of England for the whole year. And being the good son that I am, I mooched off that situation as hard as I could. I went for the whole Christmas break. I went for the whole summer and I used their house as home base to travel all over Europe and all over England was fantastic and it was the summer of Britpop. it was the the absolute high point of this kind of resurgence of of english rock music being the soundtrack of the world for the first time really since the beatles um and the two big bands were oasis and blur they had this kind of faux rivalry oasis were the like mancunian guys who didn't go to college who drank a lot and were like accidental geniuses and then blur was the university oxford kids who was music for poets and they both made great records and they actually had a uh a football match against each other for charity that drew like twenty-seven thousand fans really probably. yeah yeah it's like it was a huge deal That's but my hilarious. favorite band 
from the Brit pop era and from that summer is the band that nobody remembers or fewer people remember. Not Oasis and not Blur, but three teenage kids from Oxford, but not from the university system, just three local mushes um, who put a band together called Supergrass. In 1995, Supergrass puts out their debut record called um, I Should Coco. And the first track on the record actually it's not the first second track but their first single is just a perfect two minute 15 second song it's about getting busted by uh, a police officer for possession coming out of a pub underage and it's uh, snotty and it's melodic it's incredibly well played it's kind of endearing and sweet and supergrass went on to make i think six records they're all great um but this first one is their best i would put this in my top four, four or five all-time great debut records it's like just a great record all the way through all the songs are super lovable and hummable immediately and for me like i liked oasis and i liked blur and i loved some of their individual songs but supergrass was the band that I could really get behind. I, I saw them a couple of times uh, on their rare trips to America and they are the sound of that summer for me. And uh, I love this song. It's called uh, Caught by the Fuzz from 1995. Caught by the Fuzz by Supergrass. Every, everything Jeff so loves fun. about rock music. Energy, tunefulness, a little distortion, a little attitude. They're super surly. I love it. I'm a big fan. <laughs> they Great got the stuff. thick accent, too. Yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah, they don't even they try. You know? yeah. No, no, dude, they are trying. That's, they don't sound like they're talking. Don't you think that's extra? Oh, I, I, th- I don't think so. Like most of, the, most of the lead vocals have that kind of sneering vocal to it so i think it's just how we learn to sing maybe it maybe it is a giant act but oh no i'm not um, saying it's a giant act they I'm all, just saying all it's a little songs mustard. sound like it's that. a little mustard there's yeah, nothing yeah, yeah. wrong with that no no it's true no there's a, you're right it's a little extra for the fans can yeah. i uh can i do my uh roy firestone and push you a little bit here oh timmy yeah i'm Peter ready results now that song seems to have punk sensibilities correct yeah i agree but i feel that there's a joyfulness to it that I did not hear in, like, say, Fugazi. 
Yes. So and I you... think it's the drummer. The drummer is much more Keith Moon than he is uh, a traditional like depa 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 punk drummer. Like if if and like if you think of Green Day songs where the guy keeps the beat incredibly straight until he does a fill, whereas okay. this guy's just falling down a flight of stairs the whole track. <laughs> like he's just like <laughs> and it it gives it takes away because it doesn't have the same machine gun quality. Uh-huh. It has a lope more of a loping kind of friendly thing to it which i really like about it like i wouldn't like yeah. that song as much if they were pissed like they're just goofy it's yeah like, yeah and, I, and they're they pull off the goofy without being irritating maybe more than any other band i really love i'm a big fan but Super tim i agree gross. man like it's it, lyrically it's it's actually it's a much lighter thing like by comparison guns sure. of brixton the police come to the door and you're shooting your way out here yeah. it's like, I'm drunk as hell, the cops get me, it's awesome, night in the drunk tank, and I'm back out drinking more. Like, that's the whole song. Yeah. And there's another song on this record called All Right, which is, we are young, we are free, you know, smoke a cig, put it out, see our friends, see the sights, feel all right. I mean, it's a really... Oh, wait, a I know record that, that has no, no pretensions other than, how fun is this? And I'm... I play, I, uh, play yeah, 10 I seconds of that. that. Play 10 seconds of that song. All right, hold on. You'll recognize it. It was in, uh, maybe you won't. It was a pretty big hit, I think. Here, hold on a second. Sorry. Here we go. By the way, that is on Georgia and Dahlia's list. They love that song. Yeah, that's yeah, a great it's, song. It's great. I love those guys. But <laughs> also, right. Supergrass is close to my heart because it has my favorite seeing a band in concert story of my whole life. So uh, my, my wife, Susie, and I went to see Supergrass at the Great American Music Hall about six or seven months into dating. And uh, we're there, we're hanging out, and, and this couple obviously also early in the relationship comes to the show and he's obviously a huge supergrass fan he's got Uh-oh. like the t-shirt Uh-oh. from two shows ago and he's like he pushes his way in front of us because he needs to be closer and his girlfriend is so high maintenance she's got the high-heeled shoes and she's got the giant prada bag that she's holding with two hands and she obviously thought they were going somewhere else for the night uh-oh. And Suze is like dressed for rock and roll, like, you know, old concert t-shirt and jeans, nothing in her hands, right? Right. And she turns to me and says, how many songs before that poor bastard is holding that bag? And it was <laughs> song two. He's got the Prada bag and he's trying to enjoy Supergrass holding the 40 pound purse. And she's just like looking around, looking for option B, oh. like can't wait for it to be over. That's so sad. we always... It's, a, it's shorthand with me and my wife. Like, how yeah, long until he's holding that bag? It, it <laughs> says everything anyway, that's half that guy's fault. You got to know your own. I know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you can't yeah. drag the person who doesn't like super drag to the show. That's not going to work out. Yeah. No. That's a bad call. Bad call right there. It's right, also ben. not, it's oh. a good lesson and sometimes you just have to be game. You know, like. Oh, totally. See where you are. And don't make your man who loves the band so much hold your damn bag. Oh, it was hold a test. It was a test. Uh, ben Barr, right, what do you got? 
All right, so uh, I had a hard time with 95. In 94, I announced that I was going to cheat for time, but I've chosen not to cheat. Thank you. If I were to cheat, uh-huh. it's the <laughs> Flavor in Your Ear remix, the very first verse by Biggie Smalls. If you like oh. East Coast rap and you haven't heard Flavor in Your Ear, the remix, you really, really got to hear it. All right. Actually released in 94, so I'm not going to do that. My current favorite album and favorite songs from 95 are all Radiohead songs. That record is just an absolute masterpiece. I'm going to choose a different year for Radiohead. So I am going to Although go ahead. Although if you had chosen My Iron Lung, I would have been all in. That just was like... is what I would have chosen. But, am I, but dude, like just Plastic Trees, Iron Lung, uh, all the great. bands, all of those. There's like seven rec- songs yep. on that record that are worth uh, highlighting. Instead, this is actually my favorite song during this year. And it's a great call for song of the year. Ani DeFranco, Cradle and All. Oh. Cradle and All by Ani DeFranco. Excellent. Listen to the guitar part. Listen to how it plays. Street, the garbage swirls like a cyclone. Three o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm going home. F train is full of high school students. So much shouting, so much laughter. Last night's underwear in my back pocket. Sure, son, of the morning after. Take me home. Take me home and leave me there. I think I wanna cry, I don't know why. I think I wanna sing myself a lullaby. Feel free to listen, yeah. feel free to stay. Good stuff. Yeah, oh, so awesome. she's born 1970 in Buffalo, New York. So she's a year younger than we are. She emancipates herself as an adult at 15, moves out. Wait, she, what? In, like in the yeah. courts? Yeah, she's just like, I am done with being wow. anybody else's property. I don't have anything to do. I mean, like, I don't know. I'm not going to go wow. into the details of what happened with her family, but it's a, it's a legal fact that at 15, she's out. Wow. She's living on her own. She's busking. She's playing shows. She finishes up high school at 16. She moves to New York. She takes poetry classes at the new school. She starts Righteous Babe Records in 1989. So uh, when she's 19 at this period, uh, she puts out a record in 90, 91, 92, 93. This is her sixth record, Not a Pretty Girl. Each one builds on the other one. My actual... And this is, this is her label. Like she started oh, dude, she's record like, company. She's like, a, like the feminist Fugazi. Like what? she does the same thing. <laughs> okay. She's got her own label. She never signs with a major label. She does her own tours. She doesn't owe anybody anything. Um, Out of Range is the 94 record. So this is my actual favorite song by her, but Out of Range is my favorite record by her. Um, and I totally of, agree. That's a masterpiece, Out of yeah. Range. So the Out of Range, the first three songs of Out of Range, and I can't believe I didn't do this as a first three songs record. Building a Bridges, Out of Range, and Letter to a John is like, oh, hard to beat that at all. But here's what I love. I don't like, I love about Cradle and All. Dude, she is such a good guitarist. It's amazing. There's a Jeff Beck record, uh, and it's called Flash. 
And then they interviewed him and they were like, what does flash mean? And he was like, when I was in the, and I won't do the accent, but he's like, when I was in the Yardbirds, we had a saying for when you were really showing off. We're like, when you were really going to show exactly what you could do with the guitar, we called it flash. And dude, that's what this song is. Like the first notes are, and then she goes up with the harmonics. Like it's really, 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 really hard to play that on an electric guitar. And she's doing it on an acoustic and if like just guitar tech, like, the strings are thicker and they're farther from the frets on an acoustic. So it's a lot harder to play fast. And she's just flying. And I saw her on this tour and I've seen her multiple times. I saw her on this tour and she did it note for note in the verses. Like it's amazing how good she is at the guitar. Um, she's a feminist masterpiece. She's a super, super, super hardcore searing writer. Uh, when I introduced her to India Kincannon, India was like, well, well, like uh, what would be your one sentence description? I was like, it's like a feminist public enemy, angry but fair. Like she's That's a got great a description. brutal yeah. takedown of male patriarchy, but yep. all fair and with great super artistry. The song before and with, this- And with warmth. And, oh, totally. I mean, and like, humor. And I humor. This song is freaking. Times, I felt totally welcome and totally yeah. on board. Agreed. She's a totally super agreed. generous of performance. And this song is hilarious. Like, this song is. Yeah. Really, she's got a really, really good sense of humor. The, this is the third song on the record. The second song on the record, Tiptoe, 36 second spoken word poem about getting an abortion that leads right into this song, which oh, is the morning after a, a night out. Uh, and she's like, I got several songs about being bisexual. She's like really, really, really super interesting. And, and she's got a bunch of songs about getting raped and people raping. Like, it's just, a, and I don't mean that lightly, I promise. I just yeah. mean like, she's an artist who's covering the entire waterfront of this female experience and expressing it to people in a similar way to me that Public Enemy did. Like taking right. this pain, taking this anger, taking this rage, but also taking the joy and the experience of it and the presenting it out. And Credlin All's got it all. Like she's got a verse about uh, the, a plant in Buffalo closing and her uncle losing her job. She's got a verse in there that's about men trying to pick up on her and the subway and how uncomfortable it is and how hideous men are. She's got a verse in there about how much fun it is to hook up and then the morning after and kids are dancing on the F train. And it's just like a whole bundle of things. It's her entire expression, and I just love it. Yeah, I I I bought this record. Remember, remember the listening stations, the Tower Records. Yes. Like they would they would have those big yellow booths, and they'd have <laughs> yeah. like nine CDs in there. Um, and this is before Napster or iTunes or any kind of sampling. It was like the only way you could really hear anything that wasn't the radio. And I, I queued up the Annie DeFranco and. Uh, I heard the first five seconds of that track and, and bought the record and walked out. I mean, yes. it was just like instant sell. I couldn't believe how excellent and how instantly like funky and, and uh, well, just everything is so well played, but it's also so obviously her, Yeah, you know? I mean, it's like, she's, the, she's one of those people. Like she plays the guitar the way she plays the guitar. You can pick her out of a lineup like that. I just, uh, couldn't agree more. It's a great choice. Yeah, one so of the things that's interesting. So this is 95. And I said, I actually like the 94 record better. This record's great, though. Um, this record is like the Black Keys or the White Stripes. It's just her and a drummer. The yeah, next so record, she does a whole band. And then the record after that, she adds a horn section. And I'll be curious to see if Jeff agrees. Um, first, I'll just note, it's really hard to write interesting, good songs when it's you and a drummer. 
Like that's a, yeah. it's a, a, a huge challenge. It's like yeah. only writing sonnets or only writing haikus. Like the rules are so tight. Like there's only so much you can do with it. And dude, this is 1995 and she's squeezing new noises out of that machine. Like that's amazing. Like she's a folk singer and writing new songs, not retro songs, not rehash. Like that's not something everybody can do. So uh, I understand that. That being said, the added, when you add the whole band and then the horn section, to me, it's such a retreat. And I just never liked her material as much afterwards. And I don't mean to be critical of her. She's a, she's a genius and she's done great. Um, but this part where it's just her is so much more powerful. And actually I've got three different acts. So when Stevie Ray Vaughan added a keyboardist and it's funny to compare them, but that ruined it for me because when it was just a trio and Stevie Ray had to carry that sound, dude, the, the filling up all that space is what made him such a genius. The, Bon Iver's second record, his first record is just him and a four track. And it's hard to describe how beautiful that record is. And again, how hard it is to reproduce that. His second record, he adds a whole huge band and a horn section. Iron Sorry, and Wine. What's a, what's a four track? A four track is like the cheapest possible recording thing. It's got, uh, it literally has four tracks. And he lived in a wilderness hut and just recorded himself singing. Oh, At least that's I the see. legend of it. Okay, okay. Um, and Iron and Wine's the same thing. His first couple records are just him. They're spectacular. They're unbelievable. And then after a while, he's like, you know, it's really, really, really hard. I need to expand my sound. And by that, I mean is bringing a horn section to fill in so I don't have to do all the work. Right. I got to mostly agree with Ben. Um, I think Andy DeFranco made a great record after going electric called To the Teeth which is super underrated and it doesn't have the whole thing. It's got a couple of songs with horns, but it's mostly bass, guitar, drums with her playing electric and really digging in. And if you haven't heard that one recently, you should go back and check it what, out. What's to it called? Teeth. To the Teeth. To what the Teeth. Mostly, it's from 2001. Okay. And it's really good. Um, but for the out. most part, Out of Range and this record are, are unquestionable high point. I think Iron and Wine's an example. I think the Shepherd's Dog or whatever that record's called is his high point. Um, he actually is a guy who I don't think wrote the same kind of compelling material as Andy DeFranco. Like, That's fair. I have I have really low tolerance for um, this, like the tallest man on earth thing. Like that guy writes oh, yeah. great songs. He does. He writes great songs, but I'm like, I, he's got seven records. Where, there's, where they're deliberately lo-fi and just him warbling in the guitar. It's like, I need that guy to try to grow. And I agree with you that sometimes as an artist um, loses his or her sweet spot by getting too big. The, the thing is that they can see it and then retreat back and get back to the essence. But like, I don't begrudge the small artist who thinks, who's like, like uh, Patty Griffin, I think Silver Bell's great. Like everybody's like, why doesn't she just make Living With Ghosts over and over again? I love that she made Flaming Red and I love that she made that Silver Bell record. Like when she came back to Small again, she was, she learned a bunch of cool stuff about songwriting and she made another great record. So I like it. Fair. So it's a mix. It's, it's either or, I think. But there's nothing more irritating than an artist walking away from the thing they do best and watching it happen. And you can't stop it. Oh, no. And like I'm Steve not, Ray like Vaughan. Right. And like that, well, who'd you talk about last week? You were exactly right. Where all we needed was for them to continue to make the record we wanted to hear from them, and they just refused to make it. I can't remember who the artist what, was. Wasn't that Humpty Dance? The yeah. Humpty Dance reference. This is back to that. I just go to the it Taco Bell. It was somebody else too. You were talking about some <laughs> rock musician who, like, 
who changed his sound and changed the way he played guitar and like well i'll George. tell you this leads beautifully oh, into it's Eric my Clapton. It was oh, Eric Clapton. Yeah. oh right 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 yeah it was. this wouldn't make another Derek and the dominance record yeah um i mean anyway. i love on a uh, I, I remember driving from hartford to northampton to see her by myself which is really that's a very non-radio thing for me to do. I'm very kind of proud of myself <laughs> oh, as I look cool. back. And by the way, she was great, right? I mean, I've she seen her multiple awesome. times. Every time yeah. I've seen her, she's been great. And just totally right. Trash. Like, charming, like yeah, hilarious. funny, amazing. Um, yeah. Self-effacing. Yeah, she's great. But, but I'm about to bring out my artist for my pick. Um, and, and I don't think anyone's had a, a more bizarre trajectory than radiohead and this i'd love to, i mean you Whoa. guys are probably going to talk about radiohead later on when their sound gets a little um i don't know less inviting for for people hello um but right now we're in the wheelhouse and we're gonna do my pick for song of the year fake plastic trees oh you're making me Let's super go. happy timmy Let's you're my go. guy Big Plastic Trees by Radiohead. <laughs> the green plastic watering can For a fake Chinese rubber plant And a fake plastic girl from a rubber man in a town full of rubber bands to get rid of itself the words I got I got to confess I wasn't listening to this in 1995 but Jeff when we went to Oxford and you made me buy a Radiohead um CD thank you again yeah. for doing that um <laughs> I don't even think you see you saw how bad my record collection was at that point so thrilled we get to talk about this record and this particular song Okay, so yeah. you guys like the song? Oh, oh I love this song. Oh, oh great. heartbreaking and gorgeous, yes. and it has that big lift at the end. Dude, fantastic! So I actually like. So I have a long story of trying to convince my daughters to like Radiohead, which yeah. has been a very long campaign. Which I've eventually, um, I won't say one, but I'm at least in the neighborhood of winning. <laughs> this is the song. This Good. is the song for teenagers. And I explain it, like I was actually, like I was literally just in this last month explaining it to Georgia. I was like, there's a woman and she's look, she sees the watering can and the tree and the tree's fake. And Georgia's like, well, well what does that mean? And I was like, like there's that's what the can. song's about. It's about how things are fake and it wears her out. And Georgia was like, well, why? I was like, it makes her so sad to see this plastic tree. And then Georgia was like, well, well how does that connect? And then I was like, Dude, by the end of the song, we hear from Tom York that it wears him out. 
Like it wears me out. It wears me out. And then he goes into the super high pitched. And if I could be who you wanted, if I could be who you wanted all the time, all the time. And that's the end of the song. It's uh. like, it's this like beautiful poem to the fake ersatz nature of modern reality plus relationships. Yeah. And the end of it is actually so beautiful because at first you appear, he's complaining about fake plastic love. And it seems like almost like a Dylan-esque angry divorce song. But when he ends with it, if I could be who you wanted, you get the vulnerability from him. He's like, Oh no, no, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that was fake. What I was saying about you being fake. Actually, the truth is, I'm not up to this. Like I can't be the things that you want. And that combination is what makes it more than a spiteful, angry song that makes it this like just heartbreaking description of what it's like to have this failed love. Like it's just so oh. powerful to me. Good stuff. When we, oh, yeah. and so then I'll tell you this, I'm winning it now. I <laughs> yeah, have this right, amazing right. thing where I just <laughs> buried my daughters. This must have been fourth grade and second grade, fifth grade and third grade. I oh, no. play stupid Radiohead every time we drove to school. I wouldn't give it up. And um, this, I'll return to this in the 2000s to explain how I learned to be a better person and dad. But I was like <laughs> banging nails into the floor with my skull just trying to, uh -huh. trying to do this. And... I, one of the days we get in the car, I turn it on and Dahlia's like, I don't want to hear radio anymore. I'm out on this. And I was like, you don't understand music. They're amazing. And I'm trying to explain it to her. And basically uh -huh. I'm mansplaining to her. She interrupts me and she's like, no, you don't understand. First of all, I get it. Guitar, piano, sad aliens. I get it. I just don't <laughs> like it. I was like, done and done. I am convinced. You first of all, yeah. you actually do get it. You got it. You, totally you get don't it. like it. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. What do you want to hear? She's like Taylor Swift. I was like, let's do that yeah, then. That'll be it. fun. It was so amazing. Because yeah. I actually, in my like, in my obnoxious, at that point, I'm 40 year old brain. I'm like, I know right. better than you. She was like, oh, no, 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 I'm telling you, you don't know better. <laughs> yeah, so good. Ben, ben, it was about six years ago where I was trying to get Martha to listen to Wilco. And she's like, can we just let's do something else. I'm like, no, this is a great song. She's like, I'm just, I'm a little tired of depressed old man music, <laughs> which really well, could have been the name of this her, podcast. We're <laughs> we driving just the bus that. for the next 30 years. And there's a depressed, <laughs> sad old man music in her future for, but that's my jam, honey. Come on. All that's right. That's great description, Ben. That's great. You know, the Ben's we'll get to this radio head later, but right, ben, right one of the things I think Tim is going to struggle against is that the, it's not just an inaccessibility in terms of music, they become more inaccessible lyrically. And the combination, I think is probably going to be Check. a real challenge for young Tim. Right. But I'm excited to talk about, it. I feel really bad that we're leaving 1995 without mentioning the Ben Folds five debut record. It kind of hurts my you know, soul. I, I, I actually gave it another seconds, listen. He might come back. Yeah. Now, so we'll see. Yeah. But I love I, that. I gave record. it another listen. So I remember I remember seeing them in Vegas and um or the guy could play the piano. And, and they oh, had and a, sang. that band was so yeah. great. I yeah, love that oh, first were tight. record. They were really good. So all right, fun. my favorite uh story out of Vegas, and then we'll call it a night. I um I go out to my my Jeep in the morning to drive to school, and there's a note underneath the uh windshield wiper i'm like oh god somebody hit me and i i grabbed the note and it said hey i've seen you around 
and you're very handsome, would, would you like to have dinner with me? And she signs her name and the apartment number. Love, mom. But she spells <laughs> would, W-H-O-U-L-D. Come on, Tim. You, you called her. Like, Please tell me you called her. No. W-H-O-U-L-D. Dude, she'd have to have like eight X's and Y's in there for English. me not to call her. Come on now. Would? Would? Uh, well, you didn't tune call in, her? Tune, tune in That's next week, listeners. That's the end of story? When you'll find out what happened when I went to her apartment and knocked on her door. Oh, there we go. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a call. That's in not the your business. best Vegas story, though. I know, I know two others at least. <laughs> so. All right, y'all. Good night tonight. Thank uh, you. Everybody. See you later, Ben. See you later. Hey, if you're having as much fun as we are, leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a rating on Spotify, iHeartRadio. Wherever you listen to podcasts, give us a shout. And then check us out on Twitter or at our Facebook page, 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, that's just No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them hit. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Electric acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for The The Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Electric acid.